podcast salt and light where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of jesus christ enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen so let's go check the facts with your host also known as my dad casey harrison welcome back to another episode of salt and light ministries this is the 513 project where we replace genetically altered Christianity with a firm foundation for a relationship with Jesus Christ while empowering disciples to disciple. Now this week we're going to continue on in our Book of Matthew series we've been going through. And so far we've been covering the origin story of Jesus Christ and letting Scripture talk for itself, allowing God to fill us in on the importance of these people in the origin story of Christ. The Scripture we're going to focus on this week is Matthew 1.5. So let's read that together. And Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse. In this week's episode, we're going to learn about the IRA of Jesus Christ. It's the only IRA that will always increase in value and never decrease. Now we've read the scripture, doesn't seem like there's much there except for six names. Four of those names are men, Salmon, Boaz, Obed, and Jesse. But we're going to come back to them next week, because this week I want to focus on the two women that God told us about. Now, why am I focusing in on these two women? Well, mainly because culture back then, as well as a lot of cultures today, women are considered property. I know that's going to upset some people. Hey, it's okay. There's a lot of what's in the Bible that upsets me. It offends me. But God never said following Him was going to be comfortable. He never said you're going to like it. He just says you have to obey it. So we're going to obey it today. Because learning about these two women just might be important for us to understand the origin story of Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of other women that God didn't include in the origin story. Abraham's wife, Sarah, she's not in the origin story. None of the mothers of any of the other people are in the origin story except for Tamar. Now granted, there is one more woman that's mentioned coming up, but we'll get to that in future episodes. But compared to the men, there's not a lot of women. And if God found it important to mention these women in the origin story of Jesus, then we really need to know why. Because everyone in the origin story played a key role in the earthly creation of Jesus Christ. So looking at the scripture, the only observations we can make is that there are eight names. Two women, four men. So in order to really figure out what God's trying to tell us this week, we've got to dig in a little bit deeper. Don't worry, that's exactly what I did. First, I researched Rahab. In Hebrew, the name Rahab means wide. I don't really see how that plays into the origin story of Jesus Christ. Just going to be honest with you. But what's interesting isn't her name. It was her occupation. Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. And I'm talking about before the Israelites ever took over. Rahab was a foreigner. She was not one of God's chosen people. She was an adulterer, which is contrary to the law of God he gave to Moses. Yet God still included her in the origin story of Jesus Christ. That really doesn't make much sense. 
until you find out what exactly she did in history. What actions did she take? What choices did she make? But for that, you have to go to the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, you see how she played a vital role in the earthly creation of Jesus Christ. And you really start to see that in Joshua chapter 2, where Joshua is the leader of the Israelites after Moses, and he sent two spies into the promised land. More specifically, a land called Shittim. Yes, that's the name of the city. And they lodged at Rahab's house. Now, apparently, they weren't very stealthy for spies. They weren't CIA material. They weren't Navy SEALs. Because it didn't take long for word to get back to the king that there were two Israelites searching out the land. Not only did the king find out that there were two Israelites in the land, but apparently somebody had knowledge that these two spies were staying at Rahab's house. Now, I don't know who told the king. The Bible doesn't specify. But somebody ratted out Rahab. And the actions that that person took brought Rahab to a choice. Remember, she's a foreigner. She's not an Israelite. Yahweh is not her God. Look at Joshua 2.3. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. The king gave a direct order to Rahab to expose the intruders that she had been giving shelter to. So Rahab hears what the king ordered, and she made a choice. And that choice was to hide the spies instead of following the command of her king. Joshua 2.4 But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Here's an important thing. She made the choice before she was ever given the order. Because she hid the spies before they came and told her to bring them out. Which really begs the question, why? And as I read scripture, I really love how God answers my questions before I even know I have them. Because you see, Rahab had already heard the stories of the Israelites. She heard the stories of how their God brought them out of Egypt. She heard the stories of how their God parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. She heard the stories of how their God, the Israelites' God, killed the Egyptian armies. And then she heard the stories of how the Israelites had conquered two kings just on the other side of the Jordan, in Shehan and Og. And because she had heard all of these stories of the Israelites and their God, she knew that their God had to have been the God of heaven and earth. She feared God and God's chosen people more than she feared her king. In most cultures of that day, the king was considered to be a god, or they played the role of a god. So let me emphasize, this is Rahab denouncing her god and defending the god of the Israelites. What it boils down to is Rahab had learned the truth and made her choice. She made that choice to protect them. No matter the wrath she faced from the king, she feared God more and took hold of that fear, using it like a tool to build up her life. Because of that choice, the spies were saved. And through that process, those spies made a promise to Rahab that her whole house would be protected when the Israelites took over the city. Rahab's family was never included in the original promise God made to Abraham. But through the choice of that one woman, her and her entire family 
They were adopted into that promise God made to Abraham. So it makes sense how Rahab made the origin story of Jesus Christ. She rejected her culture that she grew up in and accepted the culture of the one true living God. That's the story of Rahab. And frankly, Ruth's story isn't very different. Let's look at Ruth. First, of course, the Hebrew meaning for the name Ruth is a female friend. Ruth was the daughter-in-law of a woman named Naomi. Naomi was an Israelite who followed her husband to a foreign land because there was a drought in Israel. Now, Naomi also had two sons. During their time in a foreign land, those two sons took foreign wives. One of those wives was Ruth. Time passes, Naomi's husband dies, and both of Naomi's sons die. But since these two foreign women had married into the Israelite family, they were under Hebrew law. Which meant that just because their husbands had died didn't mean that they were detached from the house of Naomi. They had to stick around, because if Naomi ever had more sons, then the daughter-in-laws would have to marry those sons. Well, time passes, the daughter-in-laws are taking care of Naomi, Naomi finally says, I've heard that there's no longer a drought in Israel, so I'm going to go home. And this is what Naomi does. She goes to her two daughters-in-law and tells both of them, look, return back to your father. I'm releasing you from your commitment to my family. Naomi says, I'm old. I'm not going to get remarried. I'm not going to have more sons. You're young. You've still got a lot of life to live. Go live it. Please return back to the house of your father's. One of the daughters-in-law actually did. But Ruth was the daughter-in-law that stayed. Ruth clung to Naomi and said no. Ruth made a choice to remain in the family of Naomi, to remain in the family of God's chosen people. Ruth told Naomi, may your people be my people. May your God be my God. Ruth's commitment to Naomi And her commitment to taking care of Naomi is what led her to Boaz. One of the other names from the scripture that we're going to learn about next week. That choice to remain by the side of one of God's people and turn her back on the culture and the people that she was raised in, that's what granted her access into the origin story of Jesus Christ because of that act of faithfulness. If you want to learn more about Ruth's story, it's actually kind of easy to find. It's called the Book of Ruth. Old Testament. I invite you to go and read it. So that's the history of Ruth. Now we've gone over the history of Rahab. We've gone over the history of Ruth. So how does all of this information apply to us? What does all of this have to do with our relationship with Jesus Christ? It's pretty simple. Multiple times a day, we're all faced with choices. Choices to respond in a positive manner or a negative manner. Choices to continue doing what we've always done. Or choices that would change certain things in our lives that would benefit us or work its way to destroying us. These choices are called the choices of sanctification. Sanctification, that's a big word. Because that's used in a lot of false teachings. Because I've heard the teaching of immediate sanctification upon salvation. That's the false teaching I'm talking about. And if you have a little bit of knowledge of the Bible, it can even sound like a foundational belief until you realize that salvation doesn't equal sanctification. 
Salvation equals justification by the blood of the Lamb. Justification cannot be achieved through any action that you take. To be justified means that you have the right to do what you're doing. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know what? She cheated on him, so his anger is justified. Basically, what they're saying is he's got the right to be angry. Okay. What about justified shootings? You know, that shooting was justified because the criminal broke into his house. And then the criminal tried to harm the family. It was self-defense. Justified. He had the right to defend himself. Both situations imply justification. In both situations, they had the right to respond the way that they did. Scripture is pretty clear. Because of the fall of mankind in the garden, we have no right of anything of God's or anything of His kingdom. We have no access to God because of the fall of man. Until Jesus made a choice and gave His life becoming sin itself and consuming all of the wrath God had towards sin, absorbing all justified punishment, satisfying God's perfect justice. Because God is love and God is justice. And because of the choice and the action that Jesus made, that now gives him the right to give justice out as he sees fit to whoever he wants to give it to. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He offers that justification through a simple act of obedience on your part. All you have to do is accept it. And your action of accepting what Jesus is offering, justification, through the work of the blood of Jesus Christ, that's called salvation. While at the same time, that same action of accepting Jesus Christ is the start of your sanctification. You see, sanctification is the process of becoming Christ-like. And if we were all like Christ when we got saved, then why do we feel conviction when we do something wrong? Conviction isn't needed when you're perfect. Every choice that we make as believers needs to be ran through the process of Rahab and Ruth, which I'm calling the IRA of Jesus Christ. If you're familiar with financial terms, in the financial world, there's something called an, an IRA, a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. It's a retirement savings account of some sort. You put money into it, and that money increases in value, or it could decrease in value. But that's where you're storing away money so you can enjoy your retirement. The IRA of Jesus, it's pretty similar. You're storing away sanctification every time you make a choice to be more like Christ. And it keeps increasing in value because the fruit of the Spirit, love, patience, peace, joy, long-suffering, the ability to have patience in hard situations without losing your cool and losing your temper. After you've been through sanctification, dealing with the things of this world becomes easier and easier because you realize this isn't your home. That's because you've invested in the IRA of Jesus Christ. And it just keeps increasing in value and never decreases because God doesn't lose anything. And I call it the IRA because it's three steps. There are three steps that Rahab and Ruth both did. First, they identified. Rahab identified 
everything from her culture and everything about the way she was raised and everything about her life. And then she identified everything she heard about the Israelites' God and the Israelite people and what their God had brought them out of and what their God had promised them. And then she put both of those on a scale to see which one of these is actually going to be better for me. Ruth did the same thing. She identified the culture of the people that she was raised in. She identified everything that looked off about those people. She had already been living with the son of Naomi because she was married to him. So she saw the customs and culture of the Israelite people. She heard about God. She heard about His goodness. She heard about His love. She got to see it for herself through the actions of Naomi. She had the ability to identify both sides of the spectrum and choose which one would be better for her. When both of these women made their choice, they relied on that choice. You see that in the story of Rahab, where she looked at the spies and said, Look, I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you out of the city. She gave them the perfect plan to escape the guards and said, Just protect me and my family. And the spies agreed that everyone that was in her house when they attacked, they'd be saved. Rahab relied on their word. And she could do that because she had already identified the truth of their God and relied on that in which she had already identified. Ruth did the same thing. After she identified Naomi's people and the Israelites, then she relied on Naomi, following Naomi all the way into Israel. She relied on the word of Naomi that she would be safe. And after they identified it, they relied on what they had identified, then they applied it in action. Rahab put the scarlet cord out the window so the Israelite army knew which house to leave alone. Ruth remained faithful to her word by going out into the wheat fields and picking up grain so that Naomi could eat and staying out there longer hours working harder than anyone else and it actually ended up catching the eye of Boaz. Her actions spoke what she had identified and relied on. And that increased both of these women to a place where they entered into the origin story of Jesus Christ. Because their stories line up with who Jesus is. You look at the story of Rahab, you look at the story of Ruth, you see the person of Jesus Christ. A person that once you identify him, you can rely on him and then take action to follow him. So I invite everybody that's listening, identify what's going on in your life. The good and the bad of every choice that you have to make. Which one lines up with Scripture and the person of who Jesus Christ is? The person who you're supposed to be acting like. Then just rely on the Scripture that God gave you. Basically, have faith in it. Trust it. And then make your choices on the foundation of Scripture. And then everything about this world is just going to start to fade out into the darkness. Invest in the IRA of Jesus Christ. Now, normally I've been closing out these sessions with prayer, but I want you to pray to God today. Now you've heard how it's done through multiple other podcasts. I want you to pray that God help you to invest in His IRA. Help you with the sanctification process of becoming more Christ-like. 
Because this walk on this earth is not easy. It's a pain in the butt. But it gets easier and easier the more you are like Christ. Period. That's what Jesus means when he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind renews your actions. Renewing your actions renews the words that you speak. Renewing your speech renews your walk. Because whatever you speak is the direction you're going. Now, look, I'm not talking about that name it and claim it stuff, okay? There is some truth into name it and claim it. But you can only name what God said you can name. Therefore, you can only claim what God said you can claim. You want to get out of debt? Okay, cool. That makes sense. Scripture does say, owe no man anything except to love him. So get out of debt. Start your sanctification process. As long as your heart intention is to get out of debt so you can be a blessing even more to other people, then you can start claiming that. But if the intention of your heart is not to help someone else out, but only to improve your own personal standing, then you've missed the mark. Scripture says that you have not because you ask not. And that's where a lot of people stop. But if you keep going to the next verse, and some of you have asked and not received, because you're asking in the wrong way. You're asking out of a selfish heart, not a servant's heart. So pray today that God helps you invest in the IRA of Jesus Christ and start becoming more Christ-like. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. Like it on Facebook. Leave a comment. If you have any questions or concerns, you can put it in the comment section or just email this ministry at office.saltandlight at gmail.com. I'll get back to you as quickly as I can. And we can even answer one of those questions on another podcast. I would love to do a podcast of just questions and answering some of the hard questions. And if you want to support this ministry, at the top of the podcast page, just click the heart or click in the link in the description below. And I hope you come back next week. But until then... Be bold, be strong, and be blessed. Jesus.